And we're live. Mr. John Merrill, how you doing? Jeremy, doing great. Great to be with you again, brother. Hey, man. You know, there is some questions about people out there in Alabama, but hey, just tell people what you want them to know. What do you got going on now? Well, look, we're very excited about the success that we just experienced personally with the administration of the general election for the presidency. Now, unfortunately, there's still a lot of questions that exist from other states in the union about what's actually occurred. But what we know is that our elections were safe, secure, with transparency and accountability, and that's what people expect, and that's what they should demand in every state in the union. Now we're looking forward to the beginning of the 2021 regular session of the Alabama legislature, which begins on February the 2nd. So we put our legislative package together and we're ready to start moving in that direction. Well, I just had uh, Jamie Kill on the other day and he was talking about changing the law when it comes to, uh, there, there's some churches that uh, receive money per head in Alabama. Now, yeah. how, how much of that was a problem this time? Well, it was a problem in certain parts of the state, and uh, Jamie is doing an outstanding job for his Northwest Alabama district, and he contacted us and said, look, we would like to work with y'all in trying to get this passed, and so we did work with him. Grace, uh, as you know, is my legislative director, and she does a tremendous job in everything that she does, and they put that bill together. Jamie approved of it, and we're moving it. The purpose of the bill, uh, as described by the people who were trying to promote this activity in the past was to increase voter participation. So what they said they would do is that if a church would take a role of how many people in their church had voted absentee, and they would present that information to this particular individual or this particular group, they would send them a check for $6 for every member that actually voted absentee. Now, there's nothing in the law that's against that. It did not say you had to vote for a certain party, did not say you had to vote for a certain individual. It just simply said that if you voted, we're gonna send you six bucks for your church. But Jamie was very disturbed by this as a number of other legislators were. And so this legislation will say that if you are paying for an individual to vote, if you're paying for a group of people to vote, it's against the law, and then there's penalties in place that will prevent that from occurring in the future. Now, I agree with that. That That's absolutely, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they can say to me, now, this is not your opinion. This is my opinion. They, they, can, they can spin it any way they want to, but when I look at that, I look at it of, yeah, that was probably one party that funded that. And I think a lot of people look at it that way. Right. And so what we're intending to do this session is to eliminate that as an option in the future, because we don't think nefarious intent being suggested by anyone is productive for the overall elections process. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, that, that's something that's, you know, going on all across the country when you've got uh, people in Georgia, people in um, Arizona, Pennsylvania, some of these places, even in Michigan, they don't feel that their vote counted. And that, that that's how can how can we sit back and and change the mindset of Alabamians 
that some of them are saying right now that your vote doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. See what they did in the presidency. How do we change that mindset that Alabama is not like Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, any of these places? Yes, sir. And what we've got to do is to show them that we have safe, secure, and fair elections with transparency and accountability. And when we introduce to them the process that we're currently using, and we're talking about how we're doing those things, then reasonable people will accept that information and realize, oh, well, this makes perfect sense. This is why you're doing it, and this is what it means and why it's so beneficial to everyone involved. Yeah, that, that's, uh, you know, you know I, I get the point of, well, they stole an election and this probably get taken down on Facebook because my God, those communists over at Facebook and Twitter, they take anything down that, you know, anytime anybody talks about election fraud and that's something that I've had a problem with and I talked to Jamie about and I'm going to be talking to more legislatures about what's something that you feel that the state of Alabama can do to prevent Facebook, Twitter and all of these left-leaning communists, whatever you want to call them, companies, from silencing Alabamians? Well, what they're actually doing is silencing conservative voices that are speaking certain things that they disagree with. And what they need to do is they need to make sure that the regulations that exist within their own policy guidelines are consistent when it comes to free speech. But I can assure you of this, if they don't do that, then at some point in the near future, there will be federal regulations that will be assigned for the free speech emphasis on that particular social media platform. And then they will modify them or they will be shut down. And that's the way that the process works. That's the way it worked with the Federal Communications Commission, with the introduction of television, with the expansion of radio, with movies. So it will happen with social media platforms as well. Yeah, social media, they now Twitter, Facebook, a lot of these companies claim, oh, we're not news. But it's real funny when I get a news update from Twitter on my phone every day. Right. Um, no doubt. One of the other questions I've got for you is President Biden now. He's going to, in his stimulus package, he's wanting to raise the rate of pay as for the minimum wage, not only in just the, the federal, but Alabama follows the federal standard. And if they raise $15, if they raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, what, do, what in your eyes, what do you see that's going to do to rural Alabama? Oh, look, that's going to be a major problem for all states in the union. And the reason for that, Jeremy, is because you need to let the market bear what the market can bear in a particular part of our nation. And if a market can bear 12 to $15 an hour, then the market's gonna be paying 12 to $15 an hour. And if a market can't bear that, it won't pay that much. Those terms need to be decided by the free market system. They don't need to be mandated or dictated from Washington, DC. That's a problem for all of us. That's when Big Brother begins to watch too much and big brother begins to make the decisions for all of us way too much. Now, Governor Ivy just extended the mass mandate, the vaccines out there. What's your message to Alabamians and the people across the country that are gonna be watching this about wearing the mask, social distancing, COVID-19, what's your message to them? 
Well, the governor thinks that it's in the best interest of our people to continue to wear the mask. And so she extended the mandate. I think the date is till March the 5th. Yeah. So basically another six weeks from today. And she believes with the advice of Dr. Harris and what we have seen as far as the health experts are concerned, that that will continue to allay fears related to the contagiousness of the coronavirus. And so we want to make sure that we're doing all we can as citizens. And one of the things that she suggested we need to continue doing is to wear our mask at least through March the 5th. One of the things that I'm, I, I mean, I'm pretty openly a lobbying for it now, the, the vaccine. I don't want that to be mandatory. I don't want children to be forced to take this because this is an mRNA vaccine. We, we, we essentially just don't know. And I'm not saying the thing's not safe. I'm not telling nobody not to get it. But sure, if it's not FDA approved, I don't think it should be mandated. And there's talks of California and other states that are going to mandate this thing eventually. Do you see that being a possibility in the state of Alabama? I really don't see our state adopting the use of the vaccine in a critical way that will require each and every citizen to have to subject themselves to receiving an administration of the vaccine. I don't see that. I, I don't think that our people will be very receptive to that if it's mandated that everyone should receive the shot. Yeah, they haven't been too receptive to the mask because let me no. tell you, <laughs> oh, the, that's one of the biggest issues I got, you know, with, with people is the mask. What, you know, how is the mask protecting me? And, you know, they, they just, they don't like them. They don't want to wear them. And, you know, I wear mine because, you know, it's, it, I'm just trying to be respectful to everybody else. But right. me personally, you know, I don't know how that could be enforceable. Right. But um, do you feel that the 2020 election was on the up and up? You know, if you're asking me if there were fraudulent activities that occurred in other states in the union, I would say that fraudulent activities usually occur in every election cycle. Now, the bigger question to me is, did each and every state in the union do everything they could to ensure that we had a safe, secure, and fair election in every jurisdiction in every state in the union? And the answer to that question is no, emphatically no. And one of the reasons why is that we don't even have consistent rules, regulations, and guidelines and laws in each one of those jurisdictions in each state in the union. We have that in Alabama in our 67 counties. They have that in Florida in their 67 counties, but they don't have it in Arizona's 15 counties or Nevada's 16 counties or in California or Pennsylvania's 67 counties or in Georgia's 159 counties. And so until we have conservative legislators in conservative legislative bodies that pass rules, guidelines, regulations, and laws that prevent that nefarious activity from taking place, whether it's intentional or unintentional, then we're going to continue to have problems in the elections process. Do you feel that the, do you feel that there should have been an internal investigation at the national level? 
I think there should have been investigations in any state in question about what occurred there. And that was what I uh, presupposed to the president's team when I was asked about that. What I also introduced to Senator McConnell's team and to the Republican State Leadership Committee about how we needed to be prepared in those states. And they needed to have someone that was actually an individual that was residing in that state that would be committed to advancing a lawsuit because that individual would have standing in their state to take it to the federal court. And that's not what occurred. Now, the Secretary of State of Pennsylvania, she essentially selected her own electors when and the constitution says that has to be done by the legislature that's correct why did she do that and how in the world she get away with it well she did it because it was not challenged in court by someone that could ask for that to be stopped and since they did not stop it she also changed the way that they counted votes in their state by actually commingling ballots combining the absentee ballots with the in-person ballots. And once the absentee ballot envelope has been removed and those ballots have been put together with regularly cast ballots, you have no way of knowing which ballots were which. And when that occurs, you've lost all chain of custody and you've lost all legitimacy to that election process. Alabama has voter ID and I feel that voter ID should be mandatory across the country. I don't understand what you have to have ID to buy tobacco. You have to have ID to buy cigarettes. You have to have ID to buy a house, to, you know, whatever. You, you have to have ID for everything, but we don't have identification in states to vote. What is that gonna take? Are the Republicans gonna have to take the House and, and the Senate in 2022 to pretty much force that through or? Well, they would and they would have to pass it and they'd have to pass it at a level that would override a presidential veto, which you would receive from President Biden. So I think it's important to note that the best course of action is for those states to have conservative legislative bodies implement voter ID at the state level. Alabama's been sued over its voter ID. Now, was that upheld in the Supreme Court? Yes, we've been sued multiple times. We've been sued 22 times since I've been your secretary. And in defending our laws, we are 22 and 0, with two of those cases actually going to the United States Supreme Court. Now, I think two of those cases was the ACLU, right? That's correct, at least two. And they lost. So why did they sue 22 times when you lost the first two? Well, because some people like to take a beating. <laughs> I mean, why do people keep playing Alabama every year? They like to take a beating. Roll so tide. I, so I, I think it's important to note that my, my level of confidence about where we would stand in regard to those lawsuits was always positive because I knew that we were right. And I knew that when the judges evaluated the merits of the case, they would rule in favor of us, the defendants, not the plaintiffs, because the plaintiffs were wrong. Now, a lot of people look at me and they say that you're a Republican. Okay. Well, um, they, they look at me and they say, yeah, you're a Republican. You lean Republican and the way you report's Republican. And, you know, I, I've got an issue with that because, you know, I've, I'm not registered with the Republican Party. I've never registered with a party. 
Um, right. Now, there's talk in, you know, the media, which, you know, God knows how much they really know. They just know what they're told. But um, there's talks in the media that there could be a third party called the Patriot Party, and that would cause a split in the Republican Party, as you know. Um, what would you say to the president if you could talk to him right now? Well, now not the president Biden, but President Trump. What would right. you say to what What would you say to him about starting that third party? Well, the president will do whatever the president wants to do, regardless of whether or not I encourage him to take some action or not, because that's what the president does. Now, I will say this: you know, I felt as though what the president should have considered doing, and we talked about this multiple times in our office and in my home, is the first time I remember mentioning it was about three days after the election when I told my wife and then I told Grace the same day. If I were the president, I would make a public statement today and I would say, look, you cheated me. You know I got cheated. I know you cheated me. I'm gonna give it to you. You can have it. I'll see you in four years. And then spent the remainder of the two months that he had in office trying to make it as smooth as possible to have a seamless transition. Now, the president didn't ask my opinion and he chose to do what he did and handled it the way that he did. But I will say this, when you start another party, there will be some people who would be interested in working with the president or anyone else to promote another party. But there are certain things that have to be done in each state in order to secure ballot position for a third party. And in Alabama, those requirements are different than they are in Georgia or Michigan or Illinois or California. And so you have to make sure that you are following all those state laws and guidelines, and they're not always easy to gain ballot access. Now, if you can't get ballot access, then I mean, there's no point in even creating a party there, the, that that's useless. And Lindsey Graham has said he would love to see Trump at the, the continue to be the head of the Republican Party. And he says that, you know, any Republicans that come out and vote for uh, the conviction of impeachment in the Senate, that you're pretty much going to wash yourself away. Uh, your fellow Republicans, I don't know really how Republican they are, but what would you say to them if you if you were sitting, if John Merrill was sitting in the Senate right now and you were sitting there and you were looking at this impeachment trial, you were looking at everything Biden was doing, what would you do? Let me say this. I'm not there, so anything that I say is clearly speculation or conjecture on my part because I'm not a member of the United States Senate today. But I will tell you this, based on what I know about where we are, about what the facts are today, and about all the evidence that's been introduced, the number one thing to remember is, what is the purpose of impeachment? The purpose of impeachment is to remove a person from public office that has violated the trust and confidence of the process according to the oath that they took. The individual that they're talking about impeaching is no longer in public office. So why you would spend any time, any resources or energy on using a technique that was designed to remove somebody from office when that person is already gone from office makes absolutely no sense to me, which means that it's only being done for one purpose. And that is so if they get the conviction on impeachment, then they can vote to keep 
that individual from ever running for public office again. And if they choose to do that, then that's strictly designed to ensure that Donald Trump never has the opportunity to offer himself as a candidate in the future. And that's wrong. Now, also, if they follow through with impeachment and they convict him in the Senate, um, something a lot of people really don't know, and then especially a lot of those progressives, uh, they think, oh, that's it. Um, he still has a challenge to the Supreme Court. Am I correct on that? Well, I, I don't know all the standards about the impeachment process. I just know what I just shared with you, which is about conviction and also about the option to keep the person from being able to pursue public office again if the additional conviction term is done. I don't know the answer to that. Matter of fact, you're the first person that's ever asked me that. And I, I don't know the answer to that, but we can get back with you on that. I ask a lot of questions, man, that sometimes people just don't ask. Now, uh, Linwood, these attorneys, these, uh, Cindy Powell, they, uh, there is a preacher out of Tennessee called, uh, or Texas rather, Wade McKinney. There was all this speculation on martial law and all this stuff and getting people ramped up and amped up and all this stuff. Now, if it's proven that they're lying about all of this, you know, Lynn Wood is a, has been a great attorney for years. He, he had an upstanding, uh, upstand, you know, he was never, I don't think ever had um, a question about him being disbarred or anything like that. But what does this do to a Lynn Wood who is a great attorney that got the, you know, the, the major media outlets on the Nicholas Sandman case and won so many other cases? What does this do to him? Ends her career. That's a pretty simple answer. For all practical, uh, all practical purposes, no one with any level of credibility in the future would ever hope to retain that individual to help them with a legal case of, of any significance. The Dominion voting systems, has Alabama ever used Dominion and did they ever have a problem with it? No, sir, we do not use Dominion. We will not be using Dominion as long as I'm the Secretary of State. You can't as a run. matter of fact, I think it's important to introduce this at this time as well. When we purchased our voting systems the last time, one of the things that ES&S, who is our election systems provider, actually offers is a modem component in the technology, which means that you can have a phone line or you can have a system to connect the voting machines through the internet. And my request of our people when we wrote the RFP, which is the request for a proposal, was to ensure that the modem component was not only not there in the RFP, but that the technology that they gave us as our voting machine would not even accept a modem now or in the future. Because I didn't ever want anybody in our state to think the possibility was there for nefarious activities to be introduced related to the transfer of data through the phone lines using election equipment. You can't run again in 2022. Correct. Now. Not for Secretary of State. Not for Secretary of State. Right. Uh, 2022, there's talks of Shelby riding off into the sunset. Now, there's also talks that Alabama may lose a House seat due to this census. Correct. Um, if we did lose a house seat, which one do you think it would be? 
Well, it's difficult to say because the politics of that lie within the walls of the Alabama legislature because the Alabama legislature is the governing body that actually assigns district lines for the legislature, for the Congress, for the state school board, for all of those things that require those assigned lines to be imposed. So it's difficult to say that straight up, but you know this, the Terry Sewell seat, which is currently district seven will remain. We will have at least one my majority minority district. And she's the one that's currently in that seat and she will remain in that seat. So you have to remember that. And then you've got five other seats that you would have to spread out around the state. So that's where we are today. First thing is to wait until April gets here and see where the numbers are to see if we will actually lose a seat. We know we've gained population since the last census. But have we gained as much population as Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, Mississippi, Arkansas, Louisiana, all the other states? Because it's not about you growing, it's about how much you've grown compared to other states in a percentage. Now in 2022, what you gonna do? Like Hulk Hogan says, what you gonna do, brother? What you gonna do? Well, you know, this is the thing. I, I get encouragement to look at three seats primarily, the governorship, the lieutenant governorship, and the U.S. Senate seat that Senator Shelby's currently in. And my question that I have to ask is, how many of those people are gonna run for reelection to that seat? Because I would be supportive of each of those individuals in the current role that they serve. And after that, if one of them elects not to run, then I have to make a decision about whether or not I would like to pursue that particular seat and why. So that's the next question that I have to ask. And I can only start moving in that direction when I know what those other people are going to do. Now, I believe you can go ahead and start fundraising for 2022 now, right? You can for a federal race, you cannot for a state race. When can you do it for a state race? That would be in May, May 24, 2021. Hmm. Well, I don't know what you're going to do, but I tell you this much, you got the Cummins' culture endorsement. I appreciate that, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you, you're honest, you're open, you're out there, you've been available, you've been the I mean, to me, the, the, the Secretary of State has not, you know, it's not one of those offices that people generally hear about, but you're out there and you're up front and you're, you're pretty transparent with everything you do. So I think that if it's governorship, lieutenant governorship or Richard Shelby seat, I think people can expect transparency out of John Merrill. Well, I appreciate that. And they can expect transparency out of me and any office that I hold because that's what we hold dear as a trust that is given to us by the people. So thank you for saying that. I appreciate your support, encouragement, and especially your friendship. Yeah. Hey, man, I, I really do. I really appreciate it. You come on here when we, when we ask you to. And, and you know, it's, uh, it's a lot. A lot of these politicians, they won't talk to me. Right. <laughs> Well, it's their loss, brother. I can tell you that. <laughs> they won't, man. They, they won't talk to me. And, and you know, it's just like uh, when uh, McConnell was saying that, uh, you know, this, this, and I, I'm, 
I don't like Mitch, but I, I know you can't say much, but I don't like Mitch. But um, Well, I, I will say this. We have had an outstanding working relationship with Senator McConnell. I spoke to his chief legal counsel this morning. Uh, I, we speak to them frequently, and sometimes with the senator directly, sometimes with his key staff members. But we have found them to be very supportive of things that we've introduced and very responsive to needs that we have in Alabama. And we want to make sure that we continue to have a positive working relationship with Senator McConnell since he is the leader of the Republican Party in the Senate. Well, yeah, that's, that, that's the, you know, that, that's the diplomatic answer. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, I ain't got much left for you. Is there anything you want people to know about John Merrill? No, but look, if they have any questions about what we're doing, the reason we're doing it, or the way that we're doing it, they can contact us at our office at 334-242-7200. Contact me via email, john.merrill at sos.alabama.gov, or call me on my cell at 334-328-2787. We're always delighted to interact with our constituents. Hey, I appreciate it, man. I really do. Thank you, Jeremy. Always good to be with you. It's good to have you on.